Luke chapter 10, the first two verses, uh, familiar probably to most of us, but nevertheless, something particular here for us tonight. So in Luke chapter 10, the first two verses, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to read those two verses again. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, <clears throat> the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. Father, we do thank you. We've probably read over this many times before, but we're asking for a fresh and a new application here tonight that, oh Lord, that once again we would experience your own presence, your own heart, your own vision, oh Lord, and that you'll help us together as your people here tonight for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. How silly would it be to let a harvest go to rot if you were planting a garden and you're putting all the seeds in there. You ever planted a garden before, Micah? No? Let me tell you how it starts. First, there's grass there and you've got to cut out a rectangle and then you've got to scrape all the grass out because you don't want that in with your vegetables. And then you've got to move all that, or sometimes if you do it early enough, you can turn it over and hope that it'll rot a little bit before you have to put in your seed. But if you were starting out fresh, and like we were up north, the ground doesn't thaw out as quick as it does here. So when we got to be turning it over, it, we couldn't plant in there because the grass would still be in there. So we had to take it out. We had to go through all that, and I had to wheelbarrow it away and put it in a big pile somewhere. And you want a garden? Well, here, now you can listen and you can hear how it goes. So you dig that nice rectangle, and then you take, after you get all the grass out of there, then you've got to turn the soil up and make it loose so it's not all hard, right? After you do that, some, some people don't do rows in their garden. Some people do. They raise up rows, and that helps so that if it rains a lot, the water goes off on each side and doesn't make the seeds get too wet. So can you imagine putting all that time in there, putting those seeds in, and for two months at least, going out, weeding it, making sure that no other weeds are growing and just the vegetables. You like that job? Well, think about all the work you put into it. And then when it comes time, when there's all the vegetables, you say, ah, I don't want to take the vegetables. I don't want to do it. Watermelon, well, there you go. Can you imagine putting all that time into it and the watermelon plants grow and they look big and juicy and you say, I don't want to pick them. I don't want them. Wouldn't that be silly? What do you kids think? Wouldn't that be silly? We had a garden, we put all that work and then all the fruit and vegetables are there and then we say, ah, I don't want to do it. I don't want them, right? That is silly. You know, when we're planting a garden, 
we plow or we till the ground and we dig up all that to make a prepared place for our garden and we do it expecting. We expect that when we do all that work, that what's gonna happen after we plant things and take care of it is we're gonna get some food out of there, right? Well, Jesus was talking about a harvest taking place. So I don't think if we're to think about it wisely, it's the same spiritually that it is in the material world. There's still a lot of work that has to be done spiritually before there's a harvest. And a harvest in the spiritual realm is that people are getting born again into the kingdom of God. And there's a harvest coming, right? But there's a lot of work that has to go in there beforehand. And some of it is steady, patient, plodding work. Expecting that when the harvest time comes, there's going to be abundant for me to pick from. But I've got to do my work right now until the harvest time comes, right? So the Lord, we read in these particular verses, did a few separate things. We're going to look at how the Lord appoints and sends. We're going to look at how the Lord himself will then follow. And then the Lord knows the condition of our harvest field, of what's been planted. And then the Lord commands us to pray to him to send out laborers into that harvest field when everything's ready, right? So when we think about this first thing that we read, it says that the Lord appointed other 70 also. How many disciples did Jesus have? Can you kids tell me? 70. 70? How many, how many of the close disciples did he have? 12, 12, right? He did have 70 disciples. Those were called disciples as well. But he had 12 that were very close. Those were the first ones that Jesus appointed, the first ones he picked. And they were called the apostles. They were very important to the church of Jesus Christ, the apostles. But then it says that he picked 70 other people also. These 70 others, they helped to do a lot more work because think about 12 people working out in an, a huge, huge farm. To say the farm was 150 acres. Do you think that 12 farmers would be able to take care of 150 acres all by themselves and do a good job? They might be having a little difficulty. And so the same Jesus thought about when he's thinking about harvesting souls and bringing them into his kingdom. He said, man, we're gonna need a little bit more workers here. So he picked 70 of them. This man, Edersheim, was a Jewish man. He said there's something so much different between when Jesus picked the apostles and when he picked the other 70. When he picked the other 70, there was no power or authority formally given to these 70. Their mission was only temporary and indeed for one definite purpose. Its primary object was to prepare for the coming of the master into the places where he would send them. Now with the apostles, he said, I give you power to cast out demons, to heal the sick. And he gave them an, an authority. With the 70 other people that he picked, he didn't say that to them, but he did have a very important mission for them to do. Jesus was preparing to go to certain places and he picked these 70 and he said, you go there first and then I'll come after. <clears throat> so, if we think about it, that means God doesn't want all of the work to be done just by 
pastors, just by people in the ministry. He's got a job for each one of us to do, and that includes you kid, your kids as well. I don't know if God's going to call you to be a missionary or a pastor, an evangelist. I have no idea. Maybe he won't, but he's going to call every single one of us to be witnesses in the world in which we live. And Christ has work for every single one of us to do. Not one of us is left out. He's not just asking for Christian workers. He's picking these people, though. He's choosing them. It's just like when we read in Acts 1.24, the same word of point we read here. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. That word show is the same word that we translate here, appoint. So they're looking up to God and they're saying, Lord, you know the hearts of all these men down here. You show, you pick which one of these men that you want to fill Judas's place. And Jesus is still picking us now. So sometimes we would like to do the choosing. Sometimes we look at somebody and we think, I want them to do this and I want them to do this and this and this. And then maybe we can get this done. But... We can only choose other people if God tells us who to choose. We need to know from God. We need to know, Lord, if we ever get in a place where we're in, lead, in a leadership position, we still have to be in touch with God and we have to say, Lord, who is it that you want to do this job? And then we just tell them the same thing the Lord told us. And we help them to go along in the way that God wants them to go. So all must be found out from God's heart. Children, that's why it's important for you and I not to just go to church, not to just go because it's Wednesday and we got to go to church. It's Sunday morning. We got to go to church. It's Sunday night. We got to go to church. We need to stay close to God. We don't just read our Bible so that we have a nice little checklist in the morning. We check it off and say, I read my chapter. The reason that we open up the Bible is because I want to know what God says not just what he says out of this book. I want to hear his voice while I'm reading this. I want to be close to him. I want to know him like I know my own brother or sister. I want to know him like I know my mom and dad. I want to know God like I know a best friend. And so we need to be close to him so that we know what God thinks, so that we know how God feels, so that we know what God sees. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord will put his thumb in your back and you start to feel like, I think God wants me to do this. I think God wants me to do this. Is he, have you ever had any of that experience before, kids? No. Sometimes where you feel like, I think God wants me to do this. I heard, I heard that you, you thought that about baptism, right? Didn't you say, I feel like I need to be baptized? So sometimes we get those kind of a feelings and we have to be careful because not every time we have those does it mean God wants us to do it, but we should at least stop and pray about it, right? If we ever have that feeling like I should do this, I feel like I, I need to do this. Or if it seems like there's just something that's happened that's not in my control and we would call it the providence of God, that means God just made something happen right before us. And we look at it and we say, how in the world could that have happened except God was doing this? God may put his thumb in our back and then he moves everything around outside and we realize, wow, God wants me to do this and there's an opportunity or there's a chance right here in front of me to do what I feel like he's asking me to do. 
And that is probably God picking you to do a certain mission. He wants you to do something for him. And he picks you so that he can send you out. And that word where he says send out in another language, in the original Greek language, it's called apostello, which is the same word for apostle, which means messenger. So he's picking us to send us out as his messenger. He wants us to tell the message. How? Well, Jesus picked out 70 and he said, he didn't say to every 70, you go here, you go here, you go there, you go there. He said, you need to be in pairs. You need to go two by two. Micah, do you think it would be easier to pick up something that was 200 pounds by yourself or with somebody else helping you? Ah, so I think Jesus was thinking about something, kids. He was thinking that if we go two by two to do the work, we're going to be we're going to have a little more strength. We're going to have some help. And he was thinking that that was very important. So he sent them out two by two. That was 35 groups, 35 groups of two people that were not preachers. They were just people Jesus picked to do a job. And they went out and they were messengers telling others about Jesus. So he chooses you to send you on a mission. Do you, who's heard the story of Jonah? Did, did God have a, a mission for Jonah? What did Jonah say when God told him his mission? What did he say, Samuel? What happened to Jonah? Why did he get swallowed by a whale? Ah, he didn't listen to God. God had a mission, he said to, to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go down to that city Nineveh and I want you to preach to him. And Jonah was like, no way, that's, I can't do that. And so he tried to run away from God, but can you run away from God? You can't run away from God at all, can you? But he did. Sometimes God may be talking to us and we're running away from it. We're saying, oh, I don't know, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Sometimes our heart starts pounding because we feel like God wants us to do something, but man, that's scary. I don't know if I can do that. And so we, I'd ask you the question too, is God talking to any of us, not just kids, but to adults, is God talking to us and there's somebody he wants us to talk to? There's something he wants us to do and we're kind of just pushing it back here because we're afraid. Maybe it's uncomfortable, I don't know. Some, so you, so okay. God is talking to us about something, right? He says he is sending us out on a mission before his face. Do you know what that means? It's as if Jesus could stand up on a high place, right? He's standing up on his high place and he says, okay, Charlotte, I've got a mission for you. And I want you to go down here to this place or to talk with this person. And Jesus is standing up on a high place before his face, you're going. That means he can see everything that's going on. He's watching you while you do it. He is going to direct you and lead you and tell you where to go. And if there's dangers, he'll help you just like he helped Joseph and Mary, right? Baby Jesus was in danger of being killed and he turned them aside and God spoke to them and protected them, right? So he's there directing He's caring over you. He's watching out for you where you can't watch out for yourself. We're going before his face. But where are we going? 
Where are you and I going if Jesus has a mission for us? Where are we going? We're going where he's planning to go. He needs us to go there first because he's planning to follow behind us and do something. The, the funny thing is, what happens is Jesus usually goes and talks to people first, and then he talks to us and tells us, I want you to go talk to that person. And then after, when we leave, Jesus goes and starts talking to that person still again. And so he's sending us in because he's preparing to do something with these people. If God puts his thumb in your back, it may be that he's preparing you to minister to much bigger things than you realize. You may think I'm only talking to this one person, but that one person may be the very person God needs to get a hold of because he's planning to do something else that we don't know about yet. But we've got to follow after God. And it says in, our, in what we were reading in the Bible that the Lord himself will follow. So that helps us to understand this, that if we obey God, then we know we have his followed presence. So he's going to come with us. He's going to be right behind us as we do what he says. He's going to give power to our words and what we're doing. And then the Lord knows the condition of the harvest field. Sometimes you and I, how many, how many of you think that there's Christians everywhere in the city of Rome? There's so many of them, we don't know what to do with them. How, do you think there's a lot, a lot of Christians Oftentimes we look around and we think there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people that really love Jesus. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people that really want to live according to God's word. Seems like an awful lot of the times people say they love Jesus, but they don't really live like they do. Right. So to us, we look at the harvest field like Jesus was talking about, and it looks pretty bad, looks pretty hopeless. It seems fruitless. And our mind, as we're looking at it, tells us, you know what? It doesn't make any sense to go over there. It doesn't make sense to talk to that person. They don't seem like they want God at all. Why do I go and talk with them? But Jesus said, the harvest is great. So remember, you and I, we can only see just a little bit in front of us. And sometimes we don't see as clearly as we'd like to. But Jesus sees everything and he even sees into the future. He knows what's going to happen in people's lives, given that certain circumstances are going to start taking place. And some of those circumstances may not take place until you and I do what God says. And so... There, he's telling us the harvest is great and that there are so many that are ready to hear the message that you've got to bring. There are many that are ready to hear it. So that seems kind of overwhelming because Jesus said, there's a lot of people that want this message. There's a lot of people that are ready. They're so close. And we think, how can I do all of that? It is overwhelming. Let's say that, do we believe though that God is doing that right here in Rome or in the surrounding area? That there are people whose hearts are hungry and they may not even know that it's Jesus that they want right yet, but they know there's something inside. I believe that too. You know what the awesome thing is, is that Jesus seeing that there's a tremendous amount of labor to do and there's so many people that are trying to get something out of life, they're hoping and ready for this gospel. Jesus said, here's the problem. 
There's all this work to be done, but there's only a little bit of people that are going to do the work. There's only a few laborers right now. So the Lord says, there's a lot of work. I can see that. And it's too much work for you alone to do. So this shouldn't make us feel hopeless, though. This should make us pray. This should make us earnestly ask that God will help us. You know, in the Old Testament, Moses sat all day long in a chair, just like this, Samuel. All day long in a chair, Moses sat and people came up to him. And you know what they said? They said, Moses, this was happening in a, in, you know, with my, my brother and we were having an argument about this and we don't know what God wants us to do. So Moses would listen to their whole story and then he would say to them, okay, here's what God wants you to do. And he'd give them some instructions. Then that person would leave, another person would come in. When Moses opened the curtains of his tent and looked outside, there was a line that was so long going out that Moses did that from the time he woke up until the time he went to bed. All day long, day after day after day after day. And Jethro's father-in-law came and said, Moses, you can't do all this by yourself. You're gonna wear yourself out and die early. He said, why don't you have some other people who you can trust do a little bit of this work and answer their questions and you can just answer the really hard ones. You know, the Lord looks at that with us ourselves too. He doesn't want all, one of us to do all of the work. He wants to have each and every one of us have a job. Each and every one of us do some work. So Lord, we can say when we pray, I can't do this all by myself. So what are we supposed to do? Jesus said, pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into the field. He sends out because he's going to show up somewhere and do something. And that somewhere is where he's sending you. He's about to preach the, the gospel of the kingdom to some people. So we need to pray. And the word pray here literally means to ask, to beg to ask Jesus, who is the Lord or the ruler over these harvest fields, Lord, there's so much work to do and there's not enough people to do the work. Lord, send some people to do this work. I think we need to spend a whole lot more time praying about the work even right here in Rome. We need to pray. And kids, we could use your prayers too. Do you know there was a man who, it was Bramwell Booth, he would go out and preach at certain uh, places and holding revivals. And he would tell the young children, if today you could pray for five minutes about these revival meetings, that would be very helpful. That would help me as the preacher and that will help God because God's looking for people to pray, right? So I would challenge each one of you in here, kids, if you could spend five minutes a day praying that God will send workers here to Rome to do the job that's all around us. God, we need more workers. There's more work to do. There's more people that are ready and we need more helpers. And God wants you to pray that way. He says that it is a necessity. So what are we praying? Lord, send them forth. And do you know what? That doesn't mean like this. Okay, buddy, you go on and we'll send you forth now. That's not what he's saying. This word means to drive them out. 
to thrust him out, push him out and do the work. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to pray that he would do that, that he would push people out. Do you know what? Some people, I think, feel inside that they're supposed to be doing something for God and they just need that little bit of push, right? Sometimes we can feel impatient and we want to push them out. But the Lord says, you pray to me to thrust them out to do the work. And let's pray that God will do that very thing. We need to pray believing. We need to pray like we mean it. And we need to keep praying even when it looks like nothing is happening. Because that is what Jesus has directed us to do. So this doesn't mean to be mean that we need to be some kind of special prayer warrior. We simply just have to do what Jesus said. So what is this that we need to do? Jesus is going to choose the people who he's going to send out on a mission to be his messenger. Then the Lord's going to follow after us when we obey him. And he's going to do that work inside of these people's hearts that you and I can't do. And the Lord is going to show us the condition of the harvest field around us and show us it is in fact ready and there are people that are ready. And then we're going to pray and the Lord's going to thrust these people out and get them moving on to do his work. We're not providing for the harvest. We're not making people be saved. Jesus is doing that. Jesus is making people convicted. Jesus is making people awake to spiritual things. And we're asking, Lord, thrust the people out, the workers out. So as we now, we didn't pray right in the beginning because I just wanted to think on this uh, here tonight that I believe it's very fitting that you and I right now need to pray together that the Lord will, in fact, send workers here to Rome. There's children's work that needs to be done here in this church. There's a ton of kids that are all around outside of here. We don't have enough people to take care of it. There's a lot of people that are roundabout all over this place, and we don't have enough people to take care of it. But Jesus says to us, pray to me that I'll thrust these people out into the harvest field to work and to get these people. And I believe you and I need to pray. The funny thing is that when we pray, we can't put God in a box expecting that he's going to give us this kind of person and this kind and this and this. We need to be completely open and just pray and see what God will do because he may send us some people that we may not think are fitting into our mold. But he's going to send the laborers into the harvest field that are going to do his work. So I believe that you and I need to pray here tonight.